Hello, Slate listeners. Do us a favor and help us make a better Slate by answering our survey. It'll only take a few minutes. You can find it at slate.com slash survey. Oh, my God. A false number. That's what President Trump called the World Health Organization's latest global death rate of the coronavirus. He and also talked about having a hunch yeah. about what he thinks is going on. Instead of the scientific numbers uh, from the World Health Organization. <laughs> Vice President Pence flattered the president's response. And then the president took the microphone and he blamed President Obama for slow progress in coronavirus testing. I want to stop Trump. I believe he's a threat to this country. He can't be stopped within the Republican Party. Nobody can beat him. It's Trump's party, John. It's not a party. It's a cult. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. So the race for the Democratic nomination has narrowed to two white men of nearly 80 now, both of whom were born during Jim Crow, used calcified language from the 60s and sometimes the 1920s, and they've spent the bulk of their careers among the ruling class in Congress and particularly in the U.S. Senate. I've made my preference for the kind one of these two known, the one who can sit with us in our grief and serve as the toast and applesauce as the body politic recovers from the violent food poisoning named Donald Trump. Once we get on our feet, though, we might be ready for a real president. Elizabeth Warren, thank you for your ideas and passion and principle, Elizabeth. You would have been a brilliant American president. For now, though, we can only handle dry toast. Today's guest is returning favorite Stephen Hassan. He's an expert on cults and cultism, and in particular, he's an expert on the cult of Trump, the subject of his recent book. His first appearance on Trumpcast drew such a big response from listeners that I wanted to have him back to fill out some of the ideas he touched on in the earlier episode. Welcome to Trumpcast, Stephen. It's a pleasure, Virginia. Thanks. As you know well, I've become even more an admirer of your work since we talked last. And that's why I want to do want to do this sort of second part episode as things have evolved in the political sphere on your book, The Cult of Trump. And also, again, about this model that I find very persuasive, that Trumpism has all the hallmarks of a cult. Has your thinking evolved since we talked last, since so many ex-Trumpites and observers have referred to Trumpism as a cult. So since we've talked, since the book has come out, um, yes, the meme cult of Trump is everywhere. A yes. lot of people are using it. Of course, once I was on uh, Brian Stelter's Reliable Sources, then Tucker Carlson did a show goofing on Brian and me, mm -hmm. and then uh, Rush Limbaugh and Breitbart and everybody else were like, oh, the Dems are the cult, mm -hmm. and uh, Tennessee lawmakers even submitted a bill saying that uh, the Washington Post and CNN should be designated as fake news because they did stories about the cult of Trump book hmm. specifically. So what I want to say categorically is that uh, for me, I think about influence on a continuum from healthy influence and ethical influence to unhealthy influence. Mm -hmm. And a key notion is is uh, informed consent and knowing what you're getting into, uh, knowing what's expected of you 
freedom to read whatever you want to read and talk to whoever you want to talk to, and freedom to leave without coercion. Mm -hmm. So there are many, many organizations that are cults in the sense of, like, if you're a fanatical scuba diver like myself, I love <laughs> scuba diving. I feel, like, close to God when I'm underwater, yeah. floating in reefs. Uh, and I am a Jew, and I go. I belong to a temple for 20 years. So the issue isn't just the word cult. The issue is destructive authoritarian cult, hmm, which I mm -hmm. do think the Trump administration and the groups that are influencing him and are his devoted uh, followers are acting like. And what I'd love as a result of this, this interview is for the conversation to deepen from just name-calling, oh, yeah. they're a cult, or the Dems are a cult, but to really focus more on authoritarianism mm. with a malignant narcissistic leader mm -hmm. uh, who has all of the characteristics of destructive cult leaders that I have in Chapter 2 of The Cult of Trump. Yeah. You know, the grandiose self-centered behavior, the yeah. need for praise and admiration, entitlement, lack of empathy— but then the malignant part is the pathological lying, the antisocial behavior, the exploitation, the sadism, the harassment and silencing. Mm -hmm. So you go down the entire list and, wow, Jim Jones, uh, Hubbard, Moon, the guy who was my former cult leader, yeah. and Trump. And just the direct comparisons are all there in the leadership and he wants loyalty and obedience above all, and that is the definition of a mind control cult, is you don't have free will, you don't have conscience, you have to follow the leader, follow the dogma, follow the policies, or else. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I have a model that I refer to as the bite model of yeah. mind control, which talks about behavior control, information control, thought control, and emotional control. And when you're telling followers anything critical of me or my policies is fake news, that term is what's called in my business loaded language. Hmm. It's a term that is a thought-terminating cliche mm. that members recite, which means you're not allowed to think about any of that stuff, that bad stuff. So in Scientology, their code word is entheta. So when the FBI raided their headquarters and arrested their top leaders and put them in jail, that was all N-theta, and members were not told not, not to believe the media. They're evil. They're out to persecute and us. And N-theta means something like falsehoods or, or— Bad energy. Yeah, ah. exactly. Fake news is what it means for yeah. Scientologists. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the main techniques of mind control is information control. Mm -hmm. which includes deceptive recruitment, but also require, it includes often spying on each other and, and making sure people do not talk to ex-members and critics and actually think about the information for themselves and reality test that information. I heard recently, it's a follow-up to the podcast about, recent podcast about Nexium, which I know you've studied. And one of the ex-members describes sitting through a fairly horrific fright test or something like that. She watched a, a very, very disturbing kind of piece of snuff film because she was mm -hmm. being tested for something or other. Anyway, her body and intuition told her 
that this was wrong, and yet she was taught to treat that signal as fake news. Yeah, exactly. You you do this regulation of your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors in accordance with the external authority, the leader, the doctrine, or the cult. Mm-hmm. And so as a mental health professional, the way it's labeled in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual is a dissociative disorder. So uh. when I was in the moon cult, there was the real Steve, who was a poet, And then the cult, Steve, who looked to Moon as my true parent and Mm -hmm. the greatest man in human history and God's agent on earth. And when I was instructed to demonstrate my obedience and faith by taking my original poetry, some 400 pieces, and Mm. throwing it in the garbage, I complied to demonstrate my faith. Okay, that's an extraordinary detail. Maybe for listeners who don't know your full experience, you can talk about joining the Moonies and feeling tricked. And maybe, and I think this seems a bit controversial, to sort of reflect on whether you were uniquely vulnerable or if that's like saying, you know, only certain people uh, get swindled or that it's like some part of it or, or assaulted, that really this could happen to anyone. I'm curious about your thoughts about that. Sure. So I was rescued out of the moon cult after a near fatal van crash due to sleep exhaustion and a five-day deprogramming that I agreed to to prove to my family I wasn't brainwashed. Hmm. And I, I realized about what brainwashing was by studying Chinese communist brainwashing of the 50s. And this was 1976 when mm-hmm. I woke up. Mm-hmm. So I, I go back a long ways. So I've been uh, become a mental health professional and helping people out of all types of mind control cults. And you mentioned Nexium, so I can't resist just saying that Nancy Salzman was a trainer in something called neuro-linguistic programming, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. NLP, which was uh, developed based on the work of psychiatrist Milton Erickson, who is a psychiatrist who developed a form of process-oriented hypnosis. Mm. Uh, He founded the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis. He was consulted by MKUltra researchers of the CIA, I should add, in the 50s. But this knowledge of how to manipulate words Mm -hmm. and states of being I added to the Cult of Trump book because in watching and listening to many of the techniques that Trump was using, they come out of this body of knowledge called NLP. Mm. And uh, the person who's most well-known for promulgating this in socially acceptable situations is Tony Robbins, by the way. Mm, he doesn't mm-hmm. call it NLP. NLP is, and I, I'm not I'm not totally familiar with all this language, but I've seen NLP be used adjacent to cognitive behavioral therapy, mainstream. Oh, cogn- absolutely. Right? It, so it's not like, a bad thing. Okay. It depends on your ethics. Ah, If you're an ethical therapist, you always put the client or the patient first. You don't have dual agendas. Mm. So if I'm in a mind control cult and I'm a therapist trying to keep you in the cult using Mm -hmm. NLP, there's a blatant 
uh, disregard of ethics as a therapist. So the, the person I know who uses NLP, and this gets to the question of vulnerability, went to work in a kind of cognitive way with her allergies. She has like extreme migraines in response to certain scents. And yep. she sort of walked through this, as you would say, sort of reprogramming that I'm open to the scent of lemon or, you know, these are things that I can tolerate. Yep. And it, and it was quite effective for her. But she went to the doctor saying, this is something that I'm having trouble living with. I identify this as, a, you know, a problem in my life. Did you feel like when you were recruited into the Moonies that you had some kind of longing or or difficulty in your life that you willingly submitted to this recruitment process because you you know you had something that you wanted to to fix or treat so my experience is yes i had situational vulnerability um two things the universal for everybody is ignorance about cult mind control tactics mm. and recruitment and if you think you're too smart to ever get taken by a person or by a group. That's your biggest vulnerability. But the situational vulnerability for me was my girlfriend uh, dumped me quite mm -hmm. unexpectedly, mm -hmm. and I was depressed, mm -hmm. and the new semester was starting, and three women pretending to be students at Queens College flirted with me mm -hmm. and asked to sit at my cafeteria table while I was waiting for my next class, mm -hmm. and they asked me a billion questions about myself, and I sillily gave them all of the answers so that they would know how to recruit and indoctrinate me. What I didn't understand is that they were lying to me. <laughs> they were part of a, a religious group. I had no interest in changing religions or joining a group. I was not a joiner mm -hmm. at all. But they were flirting with me, and that was my, my uh, vulnerability. I can tell you, uh, having worked in this field, that people who, uh, whose parents are divorcing, death of a loved one, illness— moving to a new city, state, or country, mm -hmm. some previous trauma that may have happened in your life that you never shared with anybody and, and you share with the controller. Yeah. And in this day and age, because so much of our private information is accessible through the deep web, you know, a recruiter of a cult no longer needs to ask you any direct questions. Virginia, they can find out everything about you mm -hmm. uh, from your likes, you know, the whole Cambridge Analytica and scraping yeah. from all of your likes. Very sophisticated profiles are now developed. Yeah. And this is another piece to answer your initial question of what's different over the last few months is I'm just realizing how sophisticated AI is getting, mm -hmm. you know, weekly, and the power of, of uh, digital media and the power of smartphones to mind control people directly. You don't need to go to an isolated retreat to be, you know, mind controlled anymore. Yeah. And I've worked with people being radicalized online to, to white supremacy, to a number of, uh, of mind control cults because they don't understand this is a systematic, incrementally uh, uh, done program to get you and take you over and then give you a new identity and sense of values and beliefs. You know, I just maybe, Steve, in an effort to sort of keep us hopeful, want to continue to re refer to, I mean, I'll, that's not an obligation for you, but for me, um, I want to refer. I am hopeful, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I want you, 
you do a lovely job about sort of identifying the authentic self, the sort of incorruptible self, the free self, the free part mm-hmm. of the mind, the poet in you when mm-hmm. you were heartbroken. And sometimes I think of that in digital times as the things about you that cannot be digitized. So yes, AI knows if I like a certain handbag on Instagram and it knows it may know my bank balance and it may be able to derive that I have this or that particular anxiety. I know when I was getting divorced that I was writing enough to lawyers and friends in email that I started to get um are you desperately lonely? Do you need to meet mm. men in Brooklyn? You know, and it felt, uh, you know, it felt painful. That's how ISIS recruits, by the way. Oh, is that right? Okay. After, yeah. so, Offering so that, mates. Uh, uh, mates. Okay, yeah. But so that felt painful at the time. On the other hand, it was so clearly an algorithm that mm-hmm. I felt almost a sense of freedom that there was some part of me, some, what's that expression, like invincible springtime or something that lay within that could not be read. So the more they sloughed off the things that they could know about me, my consumer habits, the more I thought, well, you know, I'm actually like indomitable inside because look at all the trivia that they can collect about me. When you're 19, you think you're the only one who's had a recent heartbreak, or I know I did, and Mm. that these are the most powerful, important things about you, that you have certain insecurities and that certain vulnerabilities and like, oh, look at that. You're 19 and broken up and the attention of three young women is, you know, feels good to you. Well, that's not a particularly, like, that's not your poetry. Right. That's not what's unique about you. That's what's, you know, easily manipulated about you. Right. And you talk a lot about touching that authentic self, that it really is saying things they said in QAnon or in Nexium or in the Moonies, but that is still there and untouched and free. Right. So my window on this phenomenon is 45 years now, including my own experience. And I was as fanatical as anyone I've ever met. I was like a chosen by Moon to be the model member. I would have died on command, killed on command. And what did that feel like? (laughs) What did it feel like? I thought that God had summoned me. We were going to take over the world and get rid of satanic democracy. Moon talked about infiltrating congressmen and senators' offices with members. Mm -hmm. We talked about um, amending the Constitution to make it a capital offense for people who violated the rules, yeah. so it was a total theocracy model. Mm-hmm. I should add that uh, Jeffrey Charlotte, the uh, yeah. author of The Family and the docu-series on Netflix, The Family, Yes, Moon was involved with The Family. Moon was ushered to meet Nixon right after a national prayer breakfast of The Family. And then the Moonies, including yours truly, was ordered to fast for three days for Nixon during the Watergate mm-hmm. uh, period. And I hated Nixon before my recruitment into the cult. And my father used to defend Nixon. And I called him from Washington saying, Dad, I'm fasting for Nixon to be president. He said, Steve, you were right. He's a crook. I said, Dad, you don't understand. God chose him to be president. He wants him to be president. He said, no, Steve, he's a crook. Now I know you're brainwashed. You know, Um, literally, this was an actual, I honestly thought he would approve. And he was like, no, you've just confirmed that you are not yourself. 
you, you know, we used to argue about Nixon. I mean, do you think on some level there was some kind of, I don't mean, I don't want a union with your father you were seeking? I mean, I'm still, I, I realize I'm still going to this question of vulnerability. So, sure. You know, the thing is about influence is that we're all influencing each other. Yeah. And we all are not perfect unless you're a cult leader and you say you're perfect and you never make mistakes. Mm-hmm. But um, are there unique uh, angles or vulnerabilities in any human being? Absolutely. Is there anyone who doesn't want to realize their full potential? Is there anyone who doesn't want to make the world a better place? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're a sociopath or you're apathetic, you're not going to be recruited by mind control cults because they won't want you. Mm. They want passionate, intelligent, idealistic people who will work for 21 hours a day on almost no sleep and give over all their money. So what was my what was my vulnerability? I'd say Looking back, having been in therapy and such, I would say one key piece was my father was always keep your head down, don't volunteer, he was in the military, don't volunteer for anything dangerous. And um, he didn't say, Steve, you're going to do great things with your life. Hmm. Like you're brilliant and you're going to do amazing things. We, I think you should run your own country one day, Steve. Yeah. That's what the leader, that my, my leader in the Moonies, one step away from Moon, was telling me. Right. Stephen, there are 10 generations of your ancestors on your mother's and father's side stuck in low levels of the spirit world. We have a chance to take over the world and establish the Garden of Eden. And God has chosen you. Mm-hmm. You know, you have this unique historical role and blah, blah, blah. And and honestly, I was told to model myself after Moon, to think like him, feel like him, walk like him, and talk like him. We refer to this in, in my field as cloning. My, my, my cult identity was a clone. And the closer I got to Moon, the more power-hungry and narcissistic I became because that's how Moon was. I mean, you have done— such a beautiful job anatomizing your own experience in order to in order to help other people. But the ex-Trumpites I've talked to anyway are a little bit in a haze about sort of what came over them. I mean, we talked about Michael Cohen before, but mm-hmm. you know, he said um you felt like you were part of something larger than yourself. You yep. uh something things were exciting. Um, but it's it's sort of underdetermined in his account of it. And Anthony Scaramucci the same way. You know, everybody guesses about why a Lindsey Graham or a Mark Meadows or Jim Jordan have fallen so in line with Trump, having seemed to be kind of free men before this, you know, in positions of power. And um, I still haven't heard someone who's as introspective as you are and also who has enough distance from the cult to be able to explain what happened to them. So that's my first book, Combating Cult Mind Control. Yeah. And then, then my third book, Freedom of Mind, I go into the details of what I've learned from social psychology, what yeah. I've learned from the studies on brainwashing and human consciousness. And I continue to just 
you know, absorb journal articles and whatever comes my way. And what what I want to say to your listeners is that the rational agent model that the legal system is based on of human consciousness is wrong. Mm. It's flat out incorrect hmm. model. We have an unconscious that dictates 80 to 90% of all of our actions. Mm. And we have a very small fraction of our conscious attention where we actually analyze and look at data and, and such. The Nobel Prize winning author, Daniel Kahneman, wrote a, a book called Thinking Fast and Slow, a yeah. psychologist that demonstrated scientifically that we have these unconscious heuristics or models that we're we're, we're operating unconsciously most of the time, and we're pre-wired for survival purposes to adapt to our environment, adapt to leaders that we think are legitimate in our environment. Mm -hmm. And most of us will comply and conform to peers or people in our environment, as demonstrated by the Solomon Ash, for example, conformity study or the Milgram Obedience Study that yeah. shows that we will follow a who we think is a legitimate authority figure, even to the point of electrocuting a fellow human being mm. in an hour because you committed to doing this scientific experiment and the guy in the lab coat is ordering you mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. But the good news is that knowledge is power. And what I my message is, Hey, everybody, learn how the mind works. Hmm. Learn how social influence works. Understand the difference between ethical and unethical influence. Learn to ask questions. Learn to trust your own inner voice. Surround yourself with trustworthy friends and family to reality test anything that comes your way. Mm -hmm. um, because if it's legitimate, it will stand up to scrutiny. Mm -hmm. And if it isn't, why would you want to invest time, energy, and money? So what I say to, to so many people who've been in, for example, controlling relationships with a man or a woman where they were isolated from their family and friends and abused in many cases, or people in multi-level marketing groups mm -hmm. or controlling corporations, is, hey, we're living, we're not, in my opinion, we're not living a post-truth world we're living in the world of influence. This mm. is the age mm -hmm. of influence. And if people take the time to arm themselves, to understand how these manipulations are done, and to learn to question and to think scientifically, which is testing, then we're all going to get through this dark period. But unfortunately, mind control cults, including our intelligence agencies that have done the research mm -hmm. on this for decades have mm -hmm. never been honest with the public. Yeah, intelligent, educated people can be mind-controlled to do terrible things and be completely different people. Unless everybody gets this point, then yeah. we're really in danger, if not of Trump, somebody else. Some some pastor who says that he's getting direct revelations from God and mm -hmm. he's an apostle and demons are going to possess you if you don't stay under his covering. Mm -hmm. And these are the last days and using a lot of fear programming because we have a um, genetic predisposition to avoid 
pain and suffering and death. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we, our survival mechanism is to be cued to um, things that are negative, to avoid them. Hmm. So if somebody is going to only use fear and not use intelligence and facts and science, you know, and, and, and say reason this out, mm -hmm. then um, we're going to be in trouble. I want to think about when you say the CIA, and I know that you've also studied communist recruitment, brainwashing. I want to think about influence operations as a kind of warfare, because in trying to frame the problem of the Russian attacks on democracy, their efforts to, as they say at Oxford, hack humans and influence elections, it's been an uphill battle to persuade people that disinformation affected them and also the way the mainstream media metabolized and made a story of disinformation, Hillary's health, or whether she ought to be locked up for using an you know, insecure server. Um, I mean, it put that in the balance, those questions. It's as if yep. you know, Scientology had pushed into the mainstream that postpartum depression was a fiction or you know, that the e-meter was actually a useful tool. And that, you know, I think it's right, you know, people wrestle with whether to use the word cyber ops or cyber war, but influence operations is one of the one of the first terms that I learned in thinking about the use of social media to just crush us with memes. Exactly. No, exactly. So I, in my book, The Cult of Trump, I talk about fourth generation warfare, okay. which was a concept developed in the 80s by William S. Lind, an American military strategist mm -hmm. who later paired up with Paul Weyrich, Christian right person. Hmm. And the, the thing about this particular uh, type of psychological warfare is it's not aimed to convert you to their way of thinking. It's to confuse you, disorient you, hmm. overwhelm you, delegitimize leaders, mm -hmm. delegitimize institutions in order to make you so helpless that you'll accept whatever you're told. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and what's tricky and what I write about in my book is that I believe that not only are external governments, and not just Russia, I believe Iran probably and China for sure, yeah. uh, ISIS for sure, um, are doing fourth generation of war, psychological warfare mm -hmm. through, through the internet. But there are organizations in the cult of Trump that are doing it on the American public. And so it's not just external threats, but internal threats. And we, we have a real issue to look at in terms of infiltration of government officials, including intelligence departments and military departments, mm -hmm. um, of people who have not, they swore an allegiance to the Constitution, but they're really not. They're double agents and they're in mind control cults where they think God is telling them what to do. Uh, and it's okay to be above the law. Now, you've uniquely, in a pioneering way, had um, experience getting people out of cults, deprogramming, as you said, mm -hmm. as your parents did for you. Um, before it was a profession, um, they, you know, 
shook some sense into you or whatever they described it as to themselves in the 70s. Well, it was created essentially as a forceful intervention where you kidnapped people if they were underage and mm. it was legal. Yeah. Uh, when I was first doing deprogrammings, some judges were giving ex parte conservatorships to parents to wow. have their adult children for a week. Yeah. To give them other points of view. And did that seem to help? Because yes. It was 80 to 90% successful by getting the person away from the continual reinforcement of being in the cult and the cult Uh mindset, which is a critical part. If you want a reality test, um, you need to be able to to take a time out from the the input that's continually reinforcing your cult Mm -hmm. identity. Mm-hmm. And then, like, remember back to before you ever heard of the group. Mm-hmm. Like, what were, what was interesting to you? What did you think your life path was? Yeah. And to literally get access again to your authentic self. Mm-hmm. And then be given tools to understand, hey, here are the eight criteria that Chinese communist brainwashing has been using for decades Mm-hmm. And when I was being shown the eight points of Robert J. Lifton's book, Thought Reform and the Psychology of Totalism, each one of the criteria uh, fit the Moonies, what we called the family. Right. Uh, and then at the end of the eight criteria, I was confused because it was like the Chinese communists are Satan. We're God. But we're doing the same brainwashing techniques. And you pointed hmm. out your cult was a, a fascist cult, fascist-leaning, fascist Right-wing in fascist cult. You know, and, the Koreans were the master race. But that other cults are communist, and these happen to be the two poles where persuasion is easiest? Or are they, you know, as we sort of historically, they seem like a natural fit for totalitarianism. I'm not entirely sure why. Is that, yeah, maybe you can tell me that, actually. So, so the part of the bite model, uh, thought control, I, I haven't mentioned that in this interview, but it's very much black and white, all or nothing, uh-huh. good versus evil, us versus them. It's very binary. It's very reflective, if you know anything about devent- developmental psychology, of a very low stage of uh, of adult development yes, where yeah. you're more like a child where everything's, you know, all or nothing. And part of growing up and being an adult is being able to hold many different viewpoints simultaneously without yes. losing your own core and what you believe, uh, which is what I think ultimately everyone needs to develop mm-hmm. and evolve uh, and grow up. Uh, in order to help save our planet and to learn how to survive. And I I guess I want to also just emphasize love, in my experience, is stronger than mind control Mm. and is even stronger than fear. Mm -hmm. And and I also want to say in terms of the evolution of deprogramming over the decades, what I've learned is that if I can get access to family members and friends of the person who's in the mind control situation mm-hmm. and educate them mm-hmm. and and coach them on how to have strategic you know questioning things in a loving respectful way no calling names no you know this really building bridges based mm-hmm. on love and respect that's the way to help people wake up and get out of mind control cults by essentially teaching them social psychology, 
teaching them about other cults that they would agree are cults and are bad. And and all Trumpers think China is a cult and it's an authoritarian, totalist regime that wants to take over the world, which they do. So it's an easy fit to talk about Chinese communist brainwashing and back your way into these these criteria. Yeah. And and and, and but it's a process because you want to get people back in time. When did you first heard of Trump? What was your first impression? Yeah. You know, did you like him? Did you trust him? Oh, I thought he was a jerk. Or, oh, I, you know, I looked at five minutes of The Apprentice. What did, you know, what yeah. are egotists? Okay. So tell, walk me through how you've come to be now where you're wearing the red hat, going to rallies and saying you want, you know, to get rid of all the libtards and... Mm-hmm. And all the Democrats that they're all evil, and that all media that's critical is, is you know should be abolished and made illegal, yeah, and that story, even in the best believer, must be kind of broken and have holes in it. I mean, there's almost no way to tell a straight story of someone who thought Trump was kind of clownish game show host to I now think all the media lies. Yeah, but the thing is, is and and what I'm trying to convey in all my work is that people, the best way to help a person is to empower them to help themselves, as opposed to me convincing them or me trying to persuade them that they're wrong. Yeah. It's to really connect with them because there are so many contradictions. And the reality is, is, who would ever want to be in a relationship of trust with someone who will always lie to them and take advantage of them? So there's some, there's a Buddhist expression I remember. I hope I'm not getting it wrong. Something like, just as the ocean always tastes of salt, the truth always tastes of freedom. And I feel like from Scaramucci, from others who've left the cult, from David Weissman, who we both know, what love has on its side— is that it feels so much better than fear and lies. That it tastes of, you get a sense and of unnodding when you, when you start to believe, when you, not when you necessarily when you start to believe the truth, but when your beliefs sync with the world around you, when you're not like always going uphill and saying, you know, everything in all the media is a lie. You know, mm-hmm. the obituary for Mary Tyler Moore must contain thousands of lies. That I mean, that just seems so effortful. And that just the relief of thinking, oh, you know, maybe the world is a little more how it seems. And maybe I can agree with the people around me in the various social pacts that we make that, you know, my f- friend who likes a more centrist Democrat than I do is not diabolical. Mm-hmm. So I was going to just say that as a former member who's been on the journey and, and has helped so many thousands of others, yeah. um, the relief is not having the internal contradictions mm. and torment. Mm-hmm. Because if you you know a lot of people will be kicked out of a cult if they raise questions or they'll leave. Yeah. But they never really work through how was I programmed? Mm. Where what's wrong with this belief system or what what's the facts about the leader and his background? And so for those people, they're suppressing their cult experience and their cult identity without mm-hmm. having really uh, dissolved it and integrated it. And you're a single person. And it's 
it's so great to just mm. be a whole person being in your body, yeah, in the here and now, trusting your gut, trusting your that you have a good uh, rational ability to analyze mm-hmm. things. And so that's the ultimate, you know, freedom. Like I know what it's like to lose my freedom and it's so precious to me mm-hmm. and at the point that my agent Steve Troja you know said I really want you to do a book called the cult of Trump mm. I was not a political person but I everything that I had seen of Trump and watched him and the techniques he was using when he was debating his GOP rivals it was like this is a stereotypical you know nar- malignant narcissist cult figure mm-hmm. cult of personality cult in his business but he's really dangerous and then over time he's only demonstrated this more and more Hasn't and he, yeah. my thesis has been validated completely plus but I, I do want to say that I worry that if the mainstream media is still not willing to say to the public, yeah, mind control exists. Mm-hmm. People who are intelligent can be deceived and hypnotically programmed to get a brand near their genitals <laughs> and believe Keith Raniere mm-hmm. is the world's smartest person or any number of, of other example. I mean, everyone needs to get that reality that we're humans and that our minds can be negatively influenced. And I think describing one's own experience, at least in my sort of efforts to talk to people about disinformation, just that, you know, I did have a, a I did have a period where I was encountered a lot of videos that made Antifa look like as bad as neo-Nazis. And mm-hmm. I really began to explore the idea you know, it, it was well before Charlottesville, but that there were, quote, very fine people on both sides or something. Absolutely. You know? Left-wing cults, right-wing right. cults, atheist cults. Right. The thing is black and white, all or nothing, good versus evil, external. But I got influenced. But I, but I, and, and even experts on influence operations, you know, in that sphere, including my friend Molly McHugh, is very clear that she's been influenced by Turkish propaganda without knowing it. I mean, we avidly consume information online and, there's it's very hard to preserve your freedom when you're binging on Netflix and submitting to suspending disbelief in lots of spheres um, and taking in information. And, and the idea is this isn't something that happens to idiots. This is something Correct. that happens to all of us. And I love that you make that point because, you know, that that's the love that like this brokenness, this like you know, desire to be on the right side, the desire to be told that you're this world historical figure. Who doesn't want that, you know? Yeah, exactly. And when, and when you know, Trump supporters and their media machine says, you know, how dare Steve call us a cult? Yeah. I'm speaking as a former cult member right, saying, right. hey, folks, I, I can relate to where you're at. Yeah. Hey, everybody, I'm not putting you down any more than I'm putting the fact that I got snared right. and indoctrinated myself, but that there's there's life after group. And that is another important point I want to make, which is I always tell my family and friends that I'm, I'm coaching you want uh, to create a supportive environment that helps the person exit uh, in a face-saving manner, 
And so, in, for example, when I got out of mm-hmm. the Moonies, the wrong thing to say to me is, Steve, I told you it was a freaking cult. What's, right. What was wrong with you? How come you didn't listen to yeah. me? Yeah. That's the wrong thing to say. To, to say to Steve when he first got out, hey, Steve, it's so great to have you back. Mm. I've missed you yeah. so much. Yeah. You know, we're all human beings, and I've, I've learned a lot about how cults operate. Man, are they deceptive. Man, they just got you step by step, isolated you, sleep deprived you, made you fast for seven days over and over again. I get how hypnotic their audible prayers were. Yeah. That would help, would have helped Steve in his recovery. And really, hypnosis is is a powerful thing. It's not a bad thing Mm -hmm. at all. But unfortunately, the public is exposed to hypnosis almost all the time with stage entertainers Mm. versus clinical licensed therapists Mm -hmm. who are going to just really help you reprogram the negative thoughts Mm -hmm. or access the parts of your psyche that are sabotaging you or whatever. Yeah. When I first um, became a mental health professional, I was told that personality disorders like narcissistic personality was like a life sentence, like you could not change it. But what we've learned is that the brain is amazingly uh, plastic. It can change. It can learn. It can grow. their new brain cells. And there is a hypnosis treatment for narcissism. Hmm where you're asking people to go back to key moments in their childhood and reparent themselves in a healthy way. Hmm. And it works. It takes time and it takes effort. But what I'm trying to convey is don't have a uh, a, a fatalistic view that just because, you know, your ex-girlfriend or your your mother is a narcissist, it's hopeless Hmm. that that change can't happen. Because I I think people are suffering when they have these kinds of insecure problems. I think Trump is suffering a lot. Yeah, I drew some solace right after he was elected by, you know, the the point that many people make that he he virtually or perhaps never laughs, virtually never laughs, and that all I could see was pictures of Hillary with her head thrown back laughing, you know, and um, and Obama too. And I just thought there's a certain physical, emotional freedom in just that, that, you know, it looks like hell to be Donald Trump himself. It's terrible. I, I wrote chapter two is about his childhood. He had a father who was telling him and his brother, you are a killer. You are a king. You are a killer. You are a king uh, over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Uh, a cold mother. So he didn't have secure attachments. Right. Being sent to military school, having Roy Cohn as his mentor, as a substitute father figure. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So being raised in the Norman Vincent Peale Church of mm-hmm. wishful thinking, you th- if you think something 100%, it will magically come true. Mm-hmm. So he was taught thought-stopping as a child to not allow negative thoughts in. Right. So he he really has the profile to grow up to become a, a massive cult leader. And unfortunately, he's subjecting all of us to his authoritarianism. Yeah. Okay. So I want to move to, as we close, unfortunately, well, now I feel like we need to do a part three, but um, to talk about the, <laughs> the delicate subject of 
the current candidates for the Democratic nomination, and I just see that saw that Elizabeth Warren, to my disappointment, dropped out. Elizabeth Warren seemed uniquely to ask her supporters, ask um, Americans, to rise to the challenge of understanding, you know, challenging ideas and kind of issuing a clarion call to us to like, you know, stand up on our hind legs and be Americans and commit to this project of a more perfect union. She seemed in some ways like the opposite of a cult leader, a, you know, a teacher asking questions. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I thought it was a beautiful candidacy and I'm sorry to see her go. Now, mm-hmm. the Biden and Bernie Sanders, the front runners, I'll leave aside saying I've sort of, you know, I've come to understand Biden as someone who very much sort of s- intends to suffer with us and that that is sort of a beautiful gesture from him. But and you probably know what I'm teeing up. Lots of people have made the comparison between the populist Trump and the populist Bernie Sanders. And going back to your idea that the fascist cult is matched by a Jim Jones style socialist cult. Do you see anything in the in the so-called Bernie bros in their, you know, sort of aggressive policing of who is and isn't part of them and, you know, that even Elizabeth Warren is a snake because she's not far enough left. So so we do know that Russia has been meddling yeah. um, on uh, cyber wars and helping Trump and also helping Sanders covertly, obviously. So I'm very – I think everyone who's a Bernie supporter really needs to get that Russia is doing fourth-generation warfare and is infiltrating and will keep doing it. And so I think everybody needs to understand mind control cults. Mm-hmm. I, the thing that worries me the most about uh, you know what I'm hearing with the Bernie supporters is the kind of us versus them thing yeah. and the if Bernie's not the Democratic's choice I'm not going to vote mm. that sounds like people who are very you know in a cult of personality or mm-hmm. a cult of ideology mm-hmm. and but everything that I'm 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 my sense of Bernie Sanders when I hear him interviewed and over the years is he is an ideologue but he's not an egomaniac he's not a malignant narcissist who who abuses people in the in the Trump-like way and such. The, the bottom line is there are people who will come to any uh, group environment mm-hmm. and, and bring kind of an authoritarian, or if they were in a cult themselves and mm-hmm. never got counseling, they might project the, onto the onto Bernie mm-hmm. uh, their their allegiance and such. But I really want to give hope to everybody and say that I feel like all of the the agendas of not um, uh, being controlled by the super wealthy and having this uh, economic disparity and wages and and undermining the NRA's power mm-hmm. and global climate change, all these things that Bernie and his supporters are pushing is, I think, pushing the country in the right direction. Yeah. But in terms of how to recover, get Trump out of office, but then how to recover mm-hmm. a sense of real connection as a community. We're all Americans. And to undo a lot of the racist programming that I'm hearing over and over again, it's going to take a very... It can be done, and I believe I know I'll have a lot of ideas for how to do it, mm-hmm. strategically undoing each of these sub-cults that are in the cult of yes. Trump. 
Yeah. But the but the big picture is, as I said before, ad nauseum, is that educating everybody. We're human beings. Our minds can be influenced unconsciously without our even being aware of it. Mm-hmm. And that there are good mental hygiene techniques, mm. like being aware if you're in an overload condition where you've been binge watching, you know, YouTube's to stop. Yeah, take a time out. Let your brain rest. Yeah. Think about what you're watching. Keep your finger on the pause button if yes. you're starting to space out. Listen, I get asked to evaluate cults that I've never heard of all the time, and I have my finger on the pause button when I'm li- listening to a cult leader do a lecture because I know my states, and I know when I'm no longer attentive you know, and being, being above it and going, I'm analyzing this versus, oh, that makes sense or – Wow, there's a truism there. And by the way, every mind control call has truisms. Mm-hmm. It's not all lies. There's a lot of yes. you know, real kernels of reality in there. And that's part of the recovery process is taking the good stuff and and you know and abandoning the 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 stuff that's poisonous. And not rubber banding into another, you know into another kind of calcified set of thoughts that are meant to redeem the person you once were. Now that you're, you know, you were once a fascist and now you're, you know, stockpiling guns for the far left. Right. That does seem like a kind of temptation. Um, Yeah, and I can also say when I first got out of the Moonies, when I started thinking, and and the thing that made me start thinking was realizing Moon was a liar. mm. And if he was a liar, I couldn't trust him. Mm Mm-hmm. Once I had that in my conscious, critical thought process, I started remembering a thousand examples of things that would have normally uh, uh, wires. Uh, made yeah. me run away from the cult. What was just what was just one of them that maybe might surprise us? And we'll go out on that just because it's a way for listeners to kind of consult their own, you know, maybe their own gateway. My friend Karen Schwartz sure. says. First, we normalized the hair when it comes to Trump. Just a simple thing that this kind of garish, the first thing you notice about Trump is, you know, his odd artificial hairstyle. But once you sort of say, well, that's kind of normal. That's what like there are old men who have beautiful flowing blonde locks that are, you know, we know are artificial, but we accept. You know, I I think that there's something kind of really interesting about that, that if you get you get your punch in the face from the beginning and once you've. To accepted that, then you can take in maybe some bigger lies. I don't know how it was for you. Right. Well, that's cognitive dissonance yes, theory where yes. you, you adjust one thing and then everything rationalizes and justifies according to that. And yeah. that is how we learn also good things is, is understanding that feature of the human mind. Mm. In my particular case, I was very close to Moon. I've, I've heard him a hundred times in person talk about how pathetic Americans were and how the Koreans were the master race and how the world would be speaking Korean when we took over. Mm. And the thing that made me think after five days of deprogramming was I was given a speech that Moon was giving to congressmen and senators, and in it he said, Uh, There's this controversy going on that people think I'm brainwashing American youth. I have a question to this audience of distinguished American ladies and gentlemen. Are Americans really that foolish? Could they Mm. really be brainwashed by me, Reverend Moon, a Korean? 
I know your answer is no. My answer is no, too. I respect Americans very much, and I'm surprised at such accusations. When I read that in the context of my deprogramming, it was like, what a liar. Right. I heard him a hundred times say how pathetic we were yeah. and that we needed our brains to be brainwashed because they were so dirty. Yeah. And he's just playing to this audience. Yeah. And once, once that thought just grabbed my authentic, my authentic self had that thought, it was like a house of cards going plop, 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 plop. Right. Because I realized, how can I trust someone who's a liar? Mm-hmm. Like, what person would want to have a relationship with a liar? Right. Who would want to enter a business relationship with someone where you knew you were going to get screwed? Yeah. Like, nobody would do that. Right. Except when mind control cults, because of the behavior control information, thought, and emotional control dimensions, we get taken over Mm -hmm. into this all-or-nothing belief system and identity system. Well, it's great to talk to your free mind today. Mm. I mean, I think you've given us some practical tips for addressing people who may be overly influenced right now in this supercharged time. My hope is that with the next president, there's just a normalcy <laughs> asserts itself. Oh, absolutely. Right? No, it's critical. But let's not let's not get lazy and think that Trump is not going to get elected at this point. I think there's going to be huge amounts of uh, psychological warfare done on people between now and then. And that's why I'm urging everyone who who cares to get educated about what, what this is. Please continue to come on the show through the spring and summer and tell us, uh, you know, where you see this happening, because it really does. I don't I This is good for America, what you're doing. And I'm, I'm very glad you're doing it. Thanks so much for being back on the show, Steve. Yeah, thank you for, for, for being you. Stephen Hassan is the author of four books, an ex-Mooney and mental health professional who now does recovery interventions for people involved in cults. That's it for today's show. What'd you think? Tell us on Twitter, but don't get sucked into Twitter, the endless role of Twitter. That can influence you every bit as much as YouTube or Facebook. I'm at page 88. The show is at Real Trumpcast. Then go over to slate.com slash Trumpcast plus and become a Slate Plus member today. I don't want to be a demagogue, but you know, you just got to do this. Plus members get all of Slate's podcasts ad free for only $35 for the first year. And best of all, only a good person, see, I'm like a cult leader, can join our Slate Plus club for only $35 for the first year. And you'll be supporting our work. So go to slate.com slash Trumpcast plus. Our show today was produced by Phil Circus and Melissa Kaplan and engineered by Merritt Jacob. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. Trumpcast.